Welcome to PSQH the Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Adrian Ariaga, Healthcare Safety and Security Advising Partner for GHX, about new CMS guidance on dealing with workplace violence in healthcare. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Adrian Ariaga, Healthcare Safety and Security Advising Partner for GHX. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you for having me, Jay. Thanks for being here. Uh, and to start off, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and GHX. Yeah, so um, I've been with GHX now for, for two months uh, as a safety and security advising partner. Um, I come from the healthcare industry. I was the executive director of security for Wellstar Health Systems prior to this. Uh, they're about a 25,000 employee organization. Um, and prior to working for Wellstar, uh, I had spent most of my career doing um, law enforcement operations in the Marine Corps uh, and then outside of the Marine Corps for a little while. Um, and I've been uh, in the healthcare industry for a little over 10 years now. Um, I'm an active participant with IHSS, which is the International Association of Healthcare Security, Safety and Security. Um, I'm their vice chair of uh, our national um, chapter group, so um, very heavily participating with them. And then I was the co-author on our workplace violence uh, prevention certification program through IHSS, which is now being offered nationally. So I'm excited to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Excellent. Well, we we want to talk about uh, today about the uh, the CMS memo that came out on November 28th, and I was wondering if you could uh, about it's about workplace violence in hospitals. I was wondering if you could sum it up for us. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I honestly think that uh, this memo is is great in a couple of different ways. And what I'll tell you is is this is that um, it's an important piece because more than anything, it it, it goes back to supporting the hospital staff and feeling like their uh, their voices are being heard. Uh, a lot of uh, voices throughout the healthcare industry are saying, you know, we're, we're not feeling protected, we're not feeling safe in our environment, and in a couple of different facets. Um, and CMS kind of comes back and says, we hear you and we're, we're gonna support you. Um, as you know, there's already joint commission requirements that have been released this last year that are in support of healthcare organizations putting a more robust healthcare um, workplace violence prevention strategy together. And now CMS kind of comes back in and says, hey, we, we're supporting that with a little bit more um, teeth here, if uh, more than anything. Um, what I think it does is it, it, it offers and says, a, you know, are you offering a safe space for your um, staff members? And it's not just based upon, you know, the typical things such as cameras or any type of technology, but even down just to appropriate staffing levels. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, staffing has been a complete challenge across the nation. So, you know, just those basic uh, necessities that are needed in the healthcare um, space is having uh, appropriate staffing levels to be able to care for your patients at, at a proper ratio. And so um, this, this, this memo kind of talks about that. It talks about your education, it talks about the training, uh, and talks about providing safe spaces and doing things such as uh, risk assessments based upon the needs of your population uh, of which you're serving. Um, and it goes as far as to even talk about the emergency preparedness piece, which has not necessarily been an existent piece in the past as far as it relates to you know, equating for your uh, patient population. And this this talks a little bit more about that. Um, and then finally, I think it, it, it elicits some uh, language that gives some really good examples of how organizations that have failed to go ahead and participate effectively and prevent, um, you know, 
a harm in the workspace. Uh, they gave a couple of examples and saying, okay, well, if you're not doing these things, well, then we're, you're, you're going to get fined or have some other pieces that will kind of present from CMS's perspective. So, like I said, it talks about the needs around um, providing a safe space, providing the training, um, kind of elicit some language um, about the expectation, and they use words like expect inside of their, uh, their memo. And, and it gives some examples of saying, Hospitals that have not done that are, are facing these these challenges and and, and uh, with us. So, um, I think that's in a nutshell really what it uh, what it does is, is just put some more teeth in what uh, already exists. Like from uh, Joint Commission is saying, this is an expectation you need to be doing it. Um, does this lay the groundwork for a future uh, federal standard on workplace violence, or is it kind of you know basically kind of letting hospitals know like, hey, you you need to be doing this stuff, and then if they continue to see things going the way they're going or they will they take further steps do you think i think so i think you know um if you look at the federal government uh, such as the save act and some of these other legislations that are out there that are being uh, talked about in congress and uh that there is a, a push to really protect our our healthcare workers you know um since COVID has presented itself it has uh, only exacerbated the level of violence that is going on in the healthcare space and I think that more and more organizations are not able to fully handle or understand the level of complexity as it comes to serving our populations effectively, um, while also at the same time protecting our staff. So I think, you know, they're starting to see that in the government side. And so I think, you know, CMS is, is noting, noticing that uh, along with the legislation that's being pushed um, and the Joint Commission. So I think is you know, organizations continue to ignore it and continue to put, you know, the band-aids, if you will, um, on, on uh, fixing the problem. Um, it's going to continue to rise and you're going to continue to see more and more, um, you know, voices wanting to be heard and saying that we need to do something in order to go ahead and fix the problem uh, effectively. And I think really it starts with your security leaders and being invited to the table and having a, a push to, to really let them run things when it comes to the workplace violence prevention strategies and letting them communicate with your C-suite leaders as to, you know, the five W's, the who, what, why, when, and how, you know, type deal, um, and how we're going to get to that finish line. I think that there's not enough of that in the healthcare industry as it stands today. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just, you know, uh, they're just kind of marginalized at this point? Or you feel like, you know, they obviously feel like they should have a, a greater voice, but why do you think they, they don't right now? Um, I, I think it's a it's a multiple uh, uh, issues. It's it's um, you know first and foremost, it's well is is workplace violence really a priority in our organization? Everybody says that you know it is when there's an event happening, you know, and that's that's usually when you're going to get the most responses when something actually takes place. Um, but when things aren't happening, is there a focus on it? Is it you know something that gets put on the back burner? Typically, you know, the answer is yes. And I think that's what usually happens is because you'll have security leaders that will come in and say, hey, we should be doing this. We need ongoing training. Maybe we should be ramping this up. And they're like, well, we haven't had an incident today or there hasn't been existence of this. And so then it gets pushed aside and they're like, you know, our problem right now is staffing or it's, yeah. you know, the, the lack of equipment. And so then it, it changes it changes gears. Um, and so, you know, a best practice is, is usually if you're not having any issues, that means that usually things are, are more effective that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that they don't exist, but it usually means that, you know, whatever solution you're trying to provide is a little bit better. So I think that, you know, ultimately it becomes that. And then the, the other thing is, it's historically, 
um, it's, you know, whatever workplace violence strategy you have is either been led by, you know, quality clinicians, somebody from the emergency department, stuff like that, um, just because of the multitude of different departments that you have to work across. I think the, there's a misconception that security doesn't know how to kind of kind of correlate, you know, security relations to clinical relations. And, and that's, you know, that's far from the truth. You know, our security has become such a professional industry and we're trying to continue to highlight um, professionals that are leading the industry um, and being able to kind of talk that lingo across the board and, and work with or across multiple disciplinary teams. And, you know, you mentioned obviously staffing is an issue. Um, is it also kind of an issue that, you know, the, the folks that are coming into the hospital are, are more prone to uh, violence than maybe they used to be? And obviously this is pre, this goes, you know, pre pandemic, this was, you know, this was a problem that was getting worse every year, even before uh, COVID hit, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, really since COVID, it, it's always been there. Um, but I think that since COVID, it's just exacerbated. I think, you know, if you look at it, you're starting to have to change your visitor management process. You know, before most most campuses um, were kind of that open door policy, you just come walk right in, you go right up to the floor, you get to see granny, sister, whoever it is. And then, you know, you start putting restrictions on that. And then we found out that, you know, during COVID, there was even further restrictions on it. It wasn't just your basic restrictions. It was, hey, if you weren't sick or, you know, needing help, you weren't coming into the hospital. So how do you do that? How do you end up then turning, you know, somebody that knows that their family member could be dying or could potentially be sick and needs that love and support that's there, but then you've got the hospital saying, sorry, in order to protect you, but also protect our team and protect the patient, we're not having anybody come to the hospital. I think that that changed and now you're having a, a higher level of, you know, violent or disgruntled, you know, visitors now, instead of it just being your patient population. Now you've got a higher level of, uh, of aggression or disorderly conduct coming from your visitor, your visitor population. Um, even down to, you know, your vendors, you talk about visitor or vendor management, even, uh, you know, that whole, that changed that, that kind of landed the lay too. And so you're seeing it to where they were having stricter and more stringent uh, qualifications in order to enter a facility. So I think all around, COVID just kind of changed a lot of things. And I think there was always that um, level of violence that was already in the healthcare facility. I think it's just been, you know, heightened. I think emotions um, over the past couple of years have changed. I mean, even down to political lay, if you look at how politics and how they've played involved in it. Um, and then when, you know, the vaccine mandate came about, then right. you're also facing challenges with your internal employees and feeling disgruntled because now you're forcing mandates onto people about having to take a vaccine that wasn't there. So I think it was just such different levels of complexities that you were dealing with as it relates to COVID and it's only continued. And now that COVID is kind of left there, I think there was this, you know, understanding that, well, maybe everything else would just calm down, but you still have that high level of violence that is just in the healthcare space on a continuous basis. Um, so, yeah, I know that, uh, you know, there definitely have been concerns raised about, you know, well, if we, you know, should we be arming security, you know, our security forces, you know, do we want to introduce that into a hospital? But um, I imagine that more goes into, uh, you know, kind of mitigating violence than just, you know, having armed guards. I mean, there's, I mean, there's surveillance, there's kind of, you know, knowing who's coming in and that kind of stuff, right? What, uh, what would you sort of say is, you know, systems should be doing to kind of, you know, improve their uh, mitigation of violence? 
I think it's 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 a layered approach. Um, there's not one facet that is overall. It's it's you know it's a well-rounded um, bringing all the pieces together, if you will, like a puzzle. So think of it like a puzzle. If you if you're missing pieces, it you know it's not it's not going to go together. It may look okay, but at the end of the day, it's not going to all fit. Um, so armed and versus disarmed, I'll just touch on that real quick. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it's really up to the organization. I, I do believe, um, you know, my last organization that I was over was we, we did have an armed program. I think it's very effective. It's very necessary in the, in the kind of violent um, folks that we're dealing with on in today's basis. I think the old version of, of believing that healthcare spaces are just a, a nonviolent area has to kind of go away and you have to get to this new culture. But then I think beyond having um, folks that are armed, it goes back into the culture. What is your culture? What is your stance with your frontline staff? How are you training your frontline staff to kind of respond and verbally and physically de-escalate situations rather before it gets to the security level? Um, are you supporting that with a strong visitor management, you know, entry uh, point, you know, coming in the front door? Are we, do we have a stance that says when you walk up to the front door, you've got signage that says no weapons, you know, violence won't be tolerated. And after you walk in that front door, is there a metal detection device, something that is screening people saying, hey, we're screening them for, for weapons, ensuring they're not coming in with weapons. And then beyond that, you know, a, a visitor management system, whether it be a kiosk, a person that's there that's saying, where are you going, who are you going to see, giving them some type of identification and letting them on their ways. And then using other support devices, such as duress alarms, you know, your, your surveillance cameras, um, access control, a lot of those those other pieces, it all kind of comes together. But I think that is just the new age that we live in um, in trying to adapt to that culture. Because if you you know talk to a lot of C-suite leaders across the nation, there's a misconception around putting some of those things into place. There's a misconception around, well, if we do that, then people aren't going to want to come to our facility. They're not going to want to be in, involved here. And I think that that's not true. If you look at the way that violence is outside of healthcare, just in general, you know, you're going to see that there's a, a much higher level of, of uh, aggressive violence rather than just your low level violence that's out there. So I think that's really how you go ahead and provide that mitigation piece. It's just having all the pieces together, training your front staff, letting them know what they can and can't do, the reporting structure. Are you evaluating your incidents when they happen and seeing different reduction methods? Are you working with your quality team, uh, facilities, different folks, kind of working across all fronts and, and cross training? Um, so it's a multitude of things that you end up having to do to be successful. And you mentioned earlier, you know, there's also issues with coworkers and staff, you know, that, that there may be violence between workers. Um, you know, how do you approach that? Um, you know, obviously it's a different situation than having somebody coming in off the street. If you've got somebody who's already, you know, obviously has a badge and is in your building and, and might be perpetrating something, like how do you sort of approach, uh, you know, dealing with that? Yeah, I think it's, an, again, it goes back to what I just said, but it's, uh, on, on the support of uh, partnering with your um, HR team and having a sh having strong policies around it. Uh, you talk about building policies that are in prevention of workplace violence and zero tolerance, but it, it doesn't just talk about doing it for your patients or your visitors. It's also about your employees and having some type of plan that is coming about that if you do have employees that are crossing a threshold and, you know, whether it be harassment or um aggressive behavior towards one another, that there's some type of, you know, written plan that says, you know, these are the things that we're going to follow. This is the escalation. You can be terminated and things of that nature. So, um, and then also being able to educate those staff members on it. You know, what is our, what is our stance? What are our policies in regards to how we operate in our zero tolerance? And what does that look like for the employee if they are going ahead and, you know, um, not listening or, or abiding by those policies and procedures? Um, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, it's important to get 
security, uh, you know, leaders kind of, you know, involved in planning these programs and, and maybe you know, uh, in the C-suite, do you feel that, um, you know, sort of the C-suite of health systems is paying attention to this or do you feel like they're not taken seriously enough? What's your, what's your take on that? Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd say it's a mixture. So I'd say it's a mixture. I say I, I think that you do have, again, it's it's a the healthcare world is very complex. Um, and you know, and being in healthcare, I'll tell you, it's 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 one of those things that you definitely have to look at everything from a um, 360 view. But I'll tell you that I think that again, it goes back to the culture. I think that culturally, we're you know we haven't caught up to where we are in the times with you know how we prevent and, and strategize around protecting our organization. So I do think that some sweet leaders are missing some of the mark and being a little bit more vigilant on the stance or supportive on the stance of what their security leaders are trying to portray to them and saying, hey, here's what I think we need to put these steps in because you know. You have to understand something, Jay, where, you know, security historically has never been a revenue generating department in the healthcare side. So, you know, when we're sitting there saying, well, we need to put new cameras in or we need metal detection or we need visitor management, um, that's not been a, a something that's necessarily supported all the time because they're like, well, tell us what the bottom line cost is. And the cost is, well, here, you're going to spend $100,000, you're going to spend $80,000, like, oh, my goodness. So, but the return on investment becomes, you know, safer space for right. employees got higher satisfaction rate, they're willing to work a little bit harder, they're, they're feel safe in their environment, and ultimately, what are you doing? You're improving patient care at the end of the day. So it's conveying that to the C-suite leaders, and I think that's a challenge for our security leaders is because a lot of us can speak the lingo when it comes to talking about, you know, how we want to get those things done or what we want to get those things done, but then trying to correlate it back to the return on investment and saying, this is going to directly impact our patient care on a positive note by doing this, as well as for the patient, I guarantee you, if patients walk in the front door today and they see that you've got a zero tolerance, you've got, you know, cameras up, you've got a visitor management system, you've got metal detection, you're using those things, they're going to feel like they're in a safer environment, especially what's going on with, around them. They know, they, they watch the news, they see it, they go out there every single day, they know what's going on around them. So yeah. you're trying to create that safe space for them in a healing environment. Um, so getting back to the CMS memo, uh, is this something that folks in hospitals and health systems should be uh, should they be expecting, I guess, increased attention from CMS? Are they going to have more inspectors coming through? Or how is that going to work in terms of, uh, you know, I guess sort of what hospitals need to do right now? I think it's an empowerment on, on, a, on a couple of fronts. I think it's the empower, an empowerment uh, and support, and you're going to have um, joint commission be a little bit more strict. Okay. Um, because yeah. typically they follow suit with whatever CMS guidelines uh, kind of cascade down. So if they know that CMS is cascading something and it's feeling very strongly about it, Joint Commission usually takes a little bit harder of a stance on it and is like, okay, hey, we're going to support this. I think it then also encourages, as this memo is talked about uh, across all fronts, for, you know, more episodes of reporting, meaning that if staff members or people aren't feeling safe or heard in the healthcare space, I can see a, a raise on more more reporting to agencies like CMS and saying, hey, I work at this facility and, you know, I was assaulted and, you know, we've been begging for A through Z and they won't take it seriously or they won't put anything into implementation. So then I think, you know, then that is going to cause them to kind of get involved a little bit more and you're going to see more fines and more um, stringent activity coming from them. Because the way I view it is that this memo, this memo is like, hey, start getting it done or, and start to pay attention or else. 
or we'll we'll give you we'll do it for you or at least give you a nudge in that direction right yeah well adrian thank you so much for uh, joining me today this has been great absolutely absolutely thank you for the time and i uh, appreciate uh, you having me on all right thanks that wraps up episode 73 of psqh the podcast thanks for listening and i hope you join me next time you can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com you can subscribe to the show on soundcloud apple Podcasts, google play or spotify Thanks again and stay safe.